This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Well, I'll let you know, folks, there's no better dirt disher than Charlie Dobbin. Oh, <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, well, no, you're welcome. It's a compliment. <laughs> it's Frank Proctor here, the sous chef, as we join you on this Saturday. What, what is the date today? The 28th. The 28th. Yeah. Uh, oh, almost. last Saturday yep. in April. In April, yeah. Uh-huh. May, so May's around the corner. Things are getting heated up in the gardens, right? Uh, They're supposed to be. Well, that was a <laughs> they, pretty chilly they night. They're supposed to be, but <laughs> mm, Mr. Interlocutor, no, uh, not right, yeah, not right now. Yeah, there's a little, little unknown out there with um, Mother Nature. We're up, we're down. Last night was a pretty chilly night. Yeah, yeah I guess even it would be. here in the GTA, it was mm. a couple of degrees below zero. So, oh. you know, get outside Toronto, you know, get up into even, you know, Barrie yeah, or yeah. Aurelia. Or, I mean, I heard this morning, I think it was like minus four this morning in Thunder Bay. So it would have been probably minus five, six, seven, eight, whatever last night. Ooh. Yeah, so my tulips were lying down, having a little rest on the ground this <laughs> morning. Prop them up. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm hoping as they warm up, they'll stand up again. <laughs> well, all those things will be discussed as we progress through the show, which is the garden show here at AM 740. Charlie Dobbin, Master Gardener with us, and uh, she's uh, been busy. Now, you went to what? Uh, Hanover, was it? And I was in Hanover Beaver? last Saturday, yeah. uh, part of District, whatever it was, District 5, I think, or District 15, uh, Ontario Horticultural Association. Okay. Spring meeting, you know, 50th anniversary of that district. So what it means is it's all the Hort Societies in that area mm-hmm. coming together, you know, as a sharing event. And there's it's a whole day event, lots of food. It's always about food, eh? When you yeah. get those Hort Societies together, <laughs> they have really good food. Uh, and I, I was their speaker, their after-lunch speaker. So I jumped in my car after the show last week and raced up to Hanover, which is... Uh, and listening of- to me all the way. Absolutely <laughs> listening to you all the way. You know I never t- change the dial. Well, Don't of course. touch the radio when there you're on. There you are. All right. Just wanted uh, to get that. Beaverton mm-hmm. Horticultural Society on Thursday night is where I was. First time I'd ever been to Beaverton Hort oh, Society. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, not, okay. it's not a huge group, but it's a really nice town. I don't know. Have you ever been to Beaverton? Yep. Yeah, you mm-hmm. must because you lived up in the Uxbridge area. Yep. It's right on the lake, right on Lake Simcoe. And it was really windy that day, so it was like, <laughs> <laughs> But they're used to it. They're, they're, they're used to big wind. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, uh, sometimes I wish this show were televised. You should see the antics going on. Charlie uses every part of her body when she talks. The arms are going, the head's going. And like when she was there, it was like she was in a hurricane. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, I better give you the phone numbers. Sure. Okay. Uh, 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto uh, area listeners. Then anywhere in the province, toll free, one 866 740 Four seven forty. We'll pick up all the cost there. Okay, what little announcements might you have in front of you there? Hmm? Little announcements, you mm-hmm. say? Uh, okay, let's see. In order, uh, tomorrow, Toronto Botan- 
Toronto Botanical Gardens, 1 p.m. I mentioned this last week. Raymond Evison, direct from Guernsey, England, world-renowned clematis breeder and respected authority, will give an illustrated talk in the garden hall. It's a $5 cash only at the door, and please bring correct change. But his topic, of course, is clematis for today's gardens, and he will have um, great pictures of some of his new introductions, etc., uh, okay, now what else is going on here? Just trying to see. Some things are a bit in the future. Uh, March, well, put this in your calendars for May the 12th, Saturday, May 12th. The Thornhill Horticultural Society is having their annual plant sale. Uh, they, they hold it on the northwest corner of the um, Thornhill Community Center's parking lot. So mm-hmm. the Thornhill Community Center, of course, is at Bayview between Green Lane and John Streets. So just north of Steele, south of Highway 7, right on Bayview. There's a monster Thornhill Community Center, part of a big mall, and they have their plant sale out in the parking lot. And they're, they're a good group, that Thornhill uh, Hort Society. They've, again, so many of these people, they've just... The Hort Societies have been around forever, and it feels like some of the members have been there forever as well. I mean, they're just so connected and knowledgeable Knowledgeable and friendly. Yeah, and it's all welcoming. volunteering, right? It's all just doing it for the sheer joy of the connections with friends and obviously the hobby of, of gardening, which is one of those hobbies that once it bites you, it doesn't let go. <laughs> um, the other thing, okay, this is an interesting one from the Riverdale Horticultural Society. They're doing a very special um, opportunity for, and a fundraiser for themselves selling worm castings. Really? Do you know what a worm casting yes. is? Worm poop. Exactly. Yes. Worm poop. Mm. So worms... <laughs> Made David Gaskin's morning in the control His, his eyebrows yeah. hit the ceiling there. <laughs> so worms move through the soil and they chew up all the different things they mm-hmm. find along the way. So in one end, out the other end, leaving behind worm castings. Well, who knows how they collect worm castings. You can just imagine I wouldn't want that people job. running no. behind, you know, with little little brooms and dustpans, <laughs> collecting the worm castings. And the Riverdale Horde Society is so clever. They're getting a hold of this stuff in large quantities. We're talking bags that weigh between 60 and 80 pounds. Good Lord love a duck, really. Of, of worm castings. <laughs> so, we're, like, we're talking big bags. Now, the big way... Big worms, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> no, I think it's more lots of oh. worms. <laughs> Many worms. But, of course, worm castings is Size one of... of great Danes, for God's sake. <laughs> so, so why would you want worm castings? Well, obviously, this is one of the best best products to really? amend your soil yeah. with. Oh yeah, it's the best. So bottom line is, fundraiser, if you want to get a hold of a smaller quantity than 60 or 80 pounds, they are breaking up these big bags into smaller bags, selling uh, everywhere from $3 all the way up to $10 bags. Just what you do is you can go find the Riverdale Hort Society on the Ontario Horticultural Association website or go directly to RHS, so mm-hmm. Richmond, Riverdale Hort Society, RHS Worm Castings at gmail.com. Very good, Charlie. <laughs> we shall return with the uh, questions fired in by folks who are already lined up on the line thanks to David's hard work uh, right after these words here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, happily enough for Charlie, I'm here to help her. Yes, Uh, happily for sure. (laughs) Rob in Scarborough is on the line. Good morning, Rob. Welcome to the show. Morning. Morning. 
have a question for you. <clears throat> Last uh, year, I, I have a garden in the front of my house, and I usually plant some uh, bulbs in there, but uh, last year I sort of went overboard because it had a little bit of a sale, and they usually only half of them come up. So, But <laughs> this year was such a mild winter, they all came up. Mm, good. So they've taken over my garden. So uh, I noticed in some of the parks that they take the bulbs out. I don't mm-hmm. know whether they throw them out or are able to store them over. No. But my dilemma is I've got so many, I have to do something with them. I know with tulips you can bend them over and put a elastic around them. No. What can you do with daffodils? You're not supposed to bend over, put elastics around any of them. Not oh. tulips or daffodils. Okay. Well, you know why. Those <laughs> green, I mean, they may have, they, I'm sure they've finished flowering by now. Right. So well, if they you, should be, but it's so cold that they've hung it's on. It's been right? holding, yeah, exactly. So that's great. Enjoy them. So what's your rush? Why do you feel like you have to get, get them because out of there? I usually put begonias in it another two or three weeks. I'll be putting those in across the front, and that's probably the dominant uh, flower, but it's taken up now with daffodils and daffodils have a tendency the the green to last pretty well all summer well that's why i don't let the daffodil leaves last all summer because you're right if you leave them there they will sort of hang on forever and ever the trick with the bulbs is to leave the foliage as long as you possibly can a minimum of four weeks after flowering uh preferably five or six weeks and at that point you can then go in and just you know, with your chainsaw, cut everything down to, you know, an inch tall, even if it is green leaves you're cutting down. Okay. Now, could you hold off on your begonias for a couple of, like, just give, wait till the end of May, like, wait till four weeks? Have well, you got- probably, but, uh, you know, you, when you go to the nurseries, you always try to get the first uh, mm-hmm. uh, production of them because that's the ones that have had longer to grow, and then the next production that comes out, yeah. they're smaller because yeah. they're forced more to get out onto the market, you know, and that's what I find. The, the best time is to get the first Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, uh, nice to be the sort of early bird and get the best uh, choice as well, being first, because the unusual colors will often come out uh, first with, with many of the crops, like like the begonias. Could you perhaps pick up the the initial uh, shopping opportunity, but not necessarily go straight into the ground with them? Br- leave them in their flats. Just leave them in a shady spot. I could water as required, and and leave the daffodils as long as you can. Okay. You're right. I mean. I have been known to take my daffodil leaves and like tie them in knots, you know, just to kind of make them disappear a bit. Uh, I've never done the elastic thing because then you have to go back and pick up all the elastics. Would but, they die if you moved them back a bit now? You'd have to wait till they stop flowering. But. Right. Wait till they stop flowering and then deadhead them. Just try and leave the leaves as long as you can. The other thing is sometimes I'll cut the leaves down to about half height okay. so that you're still leaving some green there uh, and they, that will shrivel up and slowly disappear. And meanwhile, you're, you're popping your begonias in amongst all that foliage and they will, of course, be growing up and covering up the daffodils as they go down. The, the begonias will fill in. Great. I knew you'd have the answer. Okay, but don't. If you dig them up, you, you, the intention with that is to dig them up and, and not replant them. Is to give them away to somebody else. So all or, the bulbs that you see, like we we live in an area where they have a, a big garden uh, supplied by the the city. So they take all those tulips out and they plant something else in. So all those bulbs, you you. Uh, more or less say that they, they pitch? They're either composted or the city may donate them somewhere to somebody, some group. What a who, waste. Yeah, who then does <clears throat> their thing. But yeah, it's always, parks have done that because they, they're so full and then they, nobody wants to see the dying down foliage of the tulips. Mm-hmm. And the tulips will not come back well unless you let the, the foliage die down slowly. All right.
right. Thanks okay. for the input. Appreciate Thank it. you. Good Thank luck with you, that. Thank you, Rob. First caller, right I through the line. I love bulbs. Yeah. I have lots of bulbs at the front of my house, too. Uh, lo- particularly yep. daffodils, mm-hmm. because they're the easiest. You plant them once, and the, the, the clumps just get bigger and bigger. Tulips don't stay as great over the years. Daffodils do. Little species tulips get better, but they're tiny, too. Okay. I love the things that naturalize. They just kind of spread and fill. There you are. Yeah, spread and fill. <laughs> spread and fill. That <laughs> sounds be, a good mantra somebody, for somebody us. on a diet. You know, <laughs> yeah, spread and fill. Oh, we got to control that. Okay, Leslie and Mississauga ready to talk about. Ooh, you'll love this red beetles. Mm-hmm. Leslie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine. Morning. I have those red bugs that are eating my lily leaves already, and I don't know what to do about them. I know. They're horrible, those things. They are. My daughter-in-law apparently picks them off individually and squishes them between her fingers, but I can't. Okay, so you know what you could do, though, is just get a, um, a can, a tuna fish can or an old whatever, soup can, and just a little bit of water in the can, then a drop of oil or a drop of dish soap, and then go out with that little can and pick those ugly red beetles because you can see them. They're so bright. They're just, you know, blazingly red. Grab them off the lilies uh, and pop them into that can, and they will die. They will drown in that water with a little bit of oil or soap on the top. They can't get out. Okay, but I do have to pick them off. You do. And the trick I find with the, it's called a red lily beetle, uh, is as soon as you pick one and, you know, you kind of, the plant moves a tiny bit when you pick the one bug off, all the other bugs, as a response, drop to the ground with their little backsides facing the ground. So the red is covered and their bellies are showing. And, of course, their bellies are dark brown and it completely camouflages in with the soil and you can't see them anymore till they flip over. So if you can, take a few pieces of newspaper or depending on sort of how your garden works, lay something on the ground before you start picking, like newspaper, and as soon as you take one, the other ones will drop and land on the paper, and they're much easier to grab off the paper than yeah, off the ground. Yeah, we have a little hand, hand vac at home. Yeah, yeah. And, and boy, that'd be kind of neat. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like up. a great idea, because then I'd be able to see them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you put the paper down, and then you can see them and grab them and drop them into your can. You don't need to squish it all. They'll just die a lovely death in that can <laughs> with oil. <laughs> and some people even use salt. So they'll just put some salt in it and drop the bug in and watch it Okay, well, rise. thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. Well, it's given myself and David Gaskin, I know we'll go for this in a big way, our producer, we should start a professional mourners club for all those... You know those ants and, and the bugs that you kill off. We'll you know we'll yeah we'll be go the out there and be the whalers. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll have a wake for all these nasties. Ex- exactly. <laughs> Any excuse to, for <laughs> to get some elbow exercise, right? Oh my <laughs> Any oh exercise. exercise. That I knew I was looking for a word to get into this next little yep. su- subject matter. Yep. I'm going to start my exercises right now, and I wore my cape. Uh, yes. And your new, brand new and running shoes, yes, I see, too. Did, well, aren't they Like sharp? you're ready huh? to run around the block and yeah. be back before I finish. Well. And, of course, what I'm going to talk about is a supplement that both you and I take, which allows us to be active, stay active, and be pain-free. It is called Sierra Sill. It is from the Sierra Mountains and is manufactured in Vancouver. The people who do the, the packaging and manufacturing of it are wonderful, answer all your questions, have a great website if you like to go that route to get your information, sierrasill.ca. They are also available at the and 
the touch of the phone, one eight seven seven joint 14 Or you can pick up Sierra Sil at many of your local health food retailers like Ambrosia Natural Foods, uh, Postmaster IDA Pharmacy on Postmaster Drive in Oakville. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Look at that time, 9.23 already, and we're uh, back to our lines to say hi to Valerie, calling in from Toronto. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning. How are you? Great. Morning. Well, it's coincidental. I'm just phoning in to find out uh, where you would, what kind of worms you use for, for the compost and where you get them. Okay, so the kind of worms you want for your composter are called red wigglers. Red wigglers. And they are. They're, when they're young, they're tiny and red, and they really wiggle. And when they grow up... They're still red and still wiggle, actually. But they're redder when they're smaller. <clears throat> so and where do you get them? Uh, you are in Toronto. Do you have access to the Internet? No. Okay. Because um, there's a great website. A woman in, uh, she's in Aurora called, I forget her last name, Kathy. Her website is called Kathy's Crawlers. And Kathy's she, Crawlers? Yeah. And Kathy's, like C-A-T-H-Y-S, crawlers just like you know night crawlers if you google kathy's crawlers she uh does all kinds of mail order of red wigglers um so she's a really good source in the gta she'd be in the phone book too i would think you would think you would think um and uh, and also she spells it with a k or with a c so you know what i'll do well um on our next break here i've got a computer in front of me i will announce her phone number for you so you keep listening okay and and i also wanted mm -hmm. to know how you use newspaper in your garden to keep the weeds down? Do you, do you wet the paper and spread it out, or and then poke holes to plant your your um, flowers? Uh, usually, when I use newspaper, I use it to kill lawn. So then, absolutely right. Yes, I do. I lay the newspaper down, get out the hose. I'll use the hose to wet the newspaper and then put soil or leaves or whatever over top of that to hold the newspaper down because it will dry and blow away. Right. If you want to use it in your garden as a form of mulch, because that's really what you're thinking about is laying it down to keep things, weeds from, I mean, weeds will come up from below. If there are perennial weeds alive below the newspaper, uh, they will poke right through the newspaper if they are, um, if there's any light getting down there at all. Okay. So that's the one limiting factor. Of, of using newspaper, and sometimes we'll use landscape fabric for the same purpose, allows the moisture through, but but again, you know, something has to cover the newspaper, whether it's Yeah, could you mulch. put lots of compost on top of it? Yep, lots of compost, and of course the newspaper will decompose fairly quickly uh, if you do that, but it does add organic material, the, the cellulose in the paper does add to the quality of the soil, so there's certainly nothing wrong with it, and it's a good way sometimes to, um, uh, like you say, to start the season with something like that, little seed, uh, seeds that might have blown in will not get a chance to germinate and it helps sort of k- control anything that might be ready to come up but isn't an old perennial that is definitely going to come up. Great. Thank okay. you very much for all the information. You're very welcome. Thank you, Valerie. <clears throat> An interesting little subject matter there. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, gosh, I wonder what's on Joan's mind here in Brantford. Good morning, Joan. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning, Joan. Uh, good morning. Um, we have an indoor hibiscus tree, and the leaves froze. So uh, this was about three weeks ago that um, we cut it back to the first bud. But now nothing is happening from the top of the plant, but right at the base, just above the root, we are getting green leaves. Right. What should we do now? And it's a tree, so it's yes, like uh-huh. it's something you've had for a number of years. Correct. 
So when you, uh, the freezing happened first, and that was when you did the cutting back to the, the first bud? Uh, well, the freezing happened when we had that nice weather, you uh-huh. know, maybe about three or four weeks ago. And it was outside. And then when we saw that the leaves froze, we took all the leaves off, uh-huh. and that's when I heard on your show yeah. that... Uh, you know, to cut it back to the first bud. Right. So you did that, and of course, nothing's popped out from those buds, but it is popping from the root. Correct. Not really a good sign. What what that indicates is that the root is alive, so that's the good part of the story, is the plant is alive, but it's possible that the entire above-ground portion of the plant was frosted badly enough that that all died, uh, but what survived was the root. Correct. So the growth, of course, is coming down at the crown where the, where the life is still there. When, when I say it's not a good sign, what it means is that you may have to, and um, it sounds like you probably will have to, cut out all that big, tall, brown, wooden sticks that are sticking up above ground down to where the green is starting to emerge, then retrain that tree into a tree. Like, it's going to grow as a bush because it's going to have a whole bunch of little stems, multi-stems. Right, uh-huh, because we have three stalks that are coming up from it. Right. Originally, so, we did. Oh, you did have three stalks? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so it was like kind of a bush anyway then. A three, it was like a three-stemmed large thing. All right, so what this is is a huge rejuvenation opportunity. So instead of having just those three stems that were whatever, you know, height they were, three, four, five feet tall, you're going to start right back down to ground level. And whatever number of stems you want to let come up, you know, you could probably look now and see how many are coming up. Could be three, four, you know, could be eight or ten. Uh, it just depends. And you don't have to let them all grow. You can only allow three or four or five to grow if you want and go back to what you had. But, of course, it's going to take a number of years to get back up to a couple of, year, couple of feet tall. Right. Should we also water it or fertilize it? Do you think that would help it or no? Yes. Everything needs to be fertilized in the spring. Every single plant, house plants, outdoor plants, every plant needs some fertilizer. Lawns, all of it. So, yes, it's appropriate to do that. Water for sure as required. I mean, obviously, the plant is smaller than it was, and it's got a very established root system. So just um, feel the soil or, or, you know, depending on whether you can feel the weight of the pot, water as it dries down. You can see the leaves when they start to droop a bit. Water thoroughly then. Right. Okay. Okay, fine then. So thank you very much for your help. You're very welcome. Thanks for your call. Thank you, Joan. Take care of things in the Brantford Forest there. As we plug along here on a Saturday morning, it's actually a pretty day out there, a little mm. bit chillier than what we'd hope. Great day to but work in the garden, though. Yes, you I know. knew you'd get that in there. Well, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of gardening when it's 28 degrees. I just want to lie in the hammock with a cool one. I, <laughs> I just have no... It just takes the energy right out of me when it's hot. That's my journey. Okay. Got <laughs> that wine bag ready and uh, away she goes. Okay, Gloria in Port Dover. What's on your mind? this morning, Gloria. Good morning. I have a problem with tulips that didn't get buds on them. They've got big fat leaves, but no uh, tulip bulb or bud. At all? At all. And were they tulips you just planted last year or have they been there for a number Actually, of years? Actually, some of them were transplanted Okay. from one location to another and I've had them for quite a few years. Oh, okay. And they were transplanted quite a few years ago? No, just Oh, just recently. Uh, okay. And they flowered last year? Yes. Okay, they could be, remember, remember how it works. Tulips, well, any of the bulbs, um, the bulb, number one, has to be of a certain size in order to be mature enough to set flower buds in the first place. 
also, in the case of a, a fairly, like a newly transplanted bulb, there is a lot of energy that goes into root growth initially. So I would not be overly concerned the first year of transplanting if you've got a lot of leaves and not a lot of flowers. Okay. The leaves are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're absorbing sunlight. They're converting the sunlight into carbohydrate, which is then fattening up the bulbs even more for next year. So you'll have an amazing show next year. Oh, great. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gloria. The other uh, thing I didn't mention is yeah. sometimes the squirrels, they just to, just to really make us mad, they come out as, and they bite the buds off of tulips. Oh, charming. Yeah. And usually they'll, they'll just leave them on the ground, so you'll see. So there you are, poised and ready to see these beautiful tulips open, and then you find all the, the buds, before they even get a chance to open, lying on the ground, and it's squirrels that do that. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's maybe like, not in Port Dover. Uh, on our balcony, I, I throw out some peanuts for Sammy the squirrel. Yes. And it really to uh, entertain my uh, cat Dickens because he sits there and just watches this squirrel eat the, eat the, the you know those shell yeah. do you peanuts. like Dickens out on the balcony no Why? no because he'll take off there's a tree about a foot from uh, our balcony and he'd be down that tree and gone you yeah, know yeah, yeah. At, chasing after the squirrels squirrel. yeah well, it's funny my cat Carter um, yesterday there was a squirrel on the maple tree in my backyard and so the, the cat went out there and he's like stalking he's got oh, yeah. a bell on it so it's yeah. jingle 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 <laughs> stalking the squirrel well, the squirrel kind of went up the tree about three feet and then looked and came back around and down onto the ground. And there's my cat, like, continuing to stalk the squirrel. The squirrel is just ignoring yeah, my cat. Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, he turned his back on the cat. <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm thinking, should I be protecting the squirrel? Or the squirrel knows that there's no yeah. way this cat's going to get him. They're just way too fast. <laughs> you want to you wanna hope that the squirrel doesn't get a hold of him? That can be bad, too. <laughs> hey, hello to Rita calling in from Richmond Hill. A Rose of Sharon, the item that you're uh, wondering about? Um, good morning, Charlie and Frank. Morning, I need Rita. help bad. I've got five rolls of Sharon given to me. They're babies. They're about 15, 16 inches high. Mm-hmm. And I want to take them up north with perennials I just bought last weekend, but I don't know because it's two hours away. Is it too cold to plant them? Do I leave them in the pots? What do I do? So it's a cottage up north, two hours away. Yes. Where? Like Collingwood or where roughly? Uh, like Minden? Like Minden. Okay, so Rose of Sharon, you're right, is is a, a tender plant. It is a form of hibiscus. It's a hardy hibiscus shrub. Lovely plants that bloom beautifully late in the summer and really brighten up our gardens. Uh, it's a zone 5 plant. You would be very much pushing the, the zone, so to speak, the hardiness zone, with the Rose of Sharon in Minden. But keep in mind that all of our properties have microclimates. So there are areas... Uh, in you know, even in your home in Richmond Hill, where in my home in Richmond Hill, where the north side of the house, where you know I catch more wind, the north wind is much colder than the south or the southeast side of my house, where it's much more sheltered. I get nice warm sun, I get virtually no wind, and things that are on the tender side, I always typically put on that southeast side whenever I can, because they're much more likely to survive than they ever will on the northwest. So going to where you would plant these in the Minden area, think about if you've got a protected spot. And what I would do is I would think in terms of of planting, if you leave them in the pot, the reason you would do that is because then you'll maybe bring them back to the Richmond Hill area for the winter or you'll bury them in the ground, lie them down on their side, bury them under the ground for the winter in the Minden area. That would be the only reason you leave them in pots. They're not going to survive in pots above ground over winter. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. 
lay down on the side. I'm writing everything down. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And what about perennials? Is it too early to put them in the ground? No, not you not if the ground is thawed, which I think it is pretty well everywhere. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, didn't yes, really freeze. Yes. Um generally it's fine to get the perennials in. If the perennials are available, you can get them in the ground. The one thing we're hesitating to rush into planting at this point are our vegetables, because vegetables need soil of a certain temperature to really uh get going and, and thrive and set flowers for fruit. And same with seeds. We're not rushing into some of the seeding of, of our annuals and our vegetables until the soil warms up a bit more. No, these are flowers. Thank yeah. you so, so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, and uh, have a great day as well. Rita in Richmond Hill. And, and yeah. that, what Rita was saying about, you know, frantically writing down what I was saying mm-hmm. reminds me to remind people, our listeners, that if you do miss something, like I'm talking too fast or it's just too much information to absorb at once, you can always re-listen to the show. It is podcast. You don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. You just need a computer. And uh, it's podcast on the AM740 website, they're all there under, you know, past shows. Or uh, go to iTunes, and of course, iTunes is a small program that you bring onto your computer. It takes about thirty seconds or less to bring it onto your computer, and then the Garden Show is on iTunes, absolutely free of charge. Go in there, help yourself, re-listen. Yep, put it, bring it onto your computer, and listen, and pause, and stop, and rewind, and do whatever you want. Good point. Yes. Excellent point, my Thank friend. Thank you, darling. Thank mm. you. Mm. <laughs> oh, she's sharp as a tack this morning. Well, <laughs> let's see uh, what we can attack now. Uh, uh, well, I won't attack uh, Elga, but I will invite her to come on and talk about pigeons on the balcony. Hello there. Good morning, Elga. Good morning to you, too. Morning. I, my problem is pigeons on my balcony. I have... a tiny little garden on the balcony. Of course, my flower boxes are not up yet. And I have tried, I don't know how many things. Uh, they keep coming back. My, the building next door to me is, uh, has a flat roof, and it, they are just swooping from there mm. to all these balconies they have mm. available. And uh, <clears throat> I hear them cooing. Yeah. I go out, open the balcony door very fast, shoot, shoot them, them away. away. Yeah, they they two nest. Two minutes late, not even two minutes. Yeah, they're right they're back. back. They do love those little corners on balconies because they're nesting now, right? So they're yeah. looking for little corners to to put. They're, they're crazy. Anyway, they just put their nests right on the floor of a balcony. Okay, so you've tried the things like the owl, and you. Uh, we have. There are other people who've tried it, but they are wise to it. Right. Last year, what I tried, of course, the bottom. Um, of the balcony between the the panels and uh-huh. the cement floor, I have bought these um, uh, little garden black uh, plastic things that look like a wrought iron fence kind mm-hmm. of garden. Um, oh. Yeah, like an edging sort of a little border, yep. Yeah, so they can't get in at the bottom. If they land at the bottom outside, they can't fall yep. through the, the spaces. I have bought sling keys mm-hmm. that I stretched them along the top railing, tied them with um, uh, these wire ties, uh-huh. um, baggy ties, and um, it has kept them off for a little while. It because when they come and land and they can't, can't get a grip, um, their their little claws can't get a hold of the the flat surface of the the railing. Yeah. <clears throat> The, the slinkies in the way, they don't know where to sit. So They slip and slide they, off the slinky, yeah? Yeah, so then they flew back last year. But then they figured out if they just 
sat on a balcony above me uh, oh. in the apartment next door to me, they could swoop from there right into my balcony. They like your balcony. Oh, eh? wow. <laughs> They're working hard to get onto, into your balcony. And you know, last year uh, at Easter time, I was away for a couple of days. I came back. I have a pot of chives sitting mm. outside. There was an Easter egg in it, like a lettuce oh, egg. Oh, that's funny. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean... So, you know, would it be possible for you to actually um, install netting, just clear? There's, it's the same netting that we buy to put uh, run on posts or poles to, that our beans and our peas can climb yes, up. I've seen it done. Yes. One of the balconies here mm-hmm. has it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure if it's such a good idea because everything... Uh, gets caught in there. I'm on the fourth floor, and I do have sometimes debris flying mm-hmm. in the air. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, you wind up with all sorts of stuff out there. Yeah. So yeah. how do I get that out? And I can't climb on a chair. I'm a senior. Right. Yeah. That it would be the installation of that netting would be a tough one because no, you'd no, have to go up high. Installation. They, like there are people around that do that installation yeah. for you. I'm not sure how much it would be. Right. And. Uh, uh, also, you feel like you're sitting in a prison. Right. Well, yeah. no, that's why you have to get the, it's like transparent. You have to get it so that it doesn't. Oh, the one that I see on the balcony up uh, above me a little further away, mm-hmm. they, it is black. Yeah, so that I would avoid the black. I would go with, there's like a, it's almost You don't know anything white. else. Any mothballs don't work. No, no. No. And I mean, certainly I've seen and you see this where seagulls are a problem. Um, You know, if you ever drive up Highway 400 and you stop at Weber's to get Mm -hmm. hamburgers, uh, because seagulls have been a big problem swooping in and out and bothering people picnicking, they uh, installed wires all over the place, crisscrossing up high where it's not mm-hmm. affecting people, but yeah. it totally affects the birds' ability to swoop in and out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so some... too, that um, um, I went online, like mm. there are um, spikes available that, are, that you fasten somehow to, to your, the railing of your balcony. Right, to keep them from landing there. But yeah. they've already figured out how to swoop into your balcony by the sounds of it. I, I'm just wondering if there might be somebody in our listening audience who might have a suggestion, you know. Uh, have, I have yeah. heard, I've talked to a friend of mine in Germany, and she said to me, owls, why do you put owls <laughs> up? Owls are not predators for pigeons. Ravens are. And I've talked now to two people over there that both say ever since they put a raven up, a plastic raven, life-size, mm-hmm. um, that they are not bothered by pigeons, but I don't know where to get them over here. Mm. You're right. Cause Have it, you we... heard? Mm. About, I mean, I can buy some in a um, hunter's supply store or what they are, a sports supply store uh, for 40 some dollars, right. which uh, I didn't really want to spend that much. That's right, because, yeah, we can get to some of the decoys. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just looking here quickly on online, Raven decoys. And you're right, it would be in the hunting supply stores that would have something like this, because, um, yeah, that's exactly what they're for. And, of course, if they're really good, they look really good, then they're going to cost. Uh, um, you know what, leave that with us, and maybe somebody will be able to call who's got a suggestion besides the idea of, we're using ravens as a as a way to to keep the pigeons yeah. away. 
Uh, Very good. And in the meantime, yeah. So stay tuned. We'll see if we can come up with a raven decoy idea. And also, if anybody else has a call, tips, suggestions, we want to hear. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank Good you. luck with that, Helga. Have a nice day. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Reminder on the phone numbers here for Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show at AM 740, 416-360-0740, and anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie and I shall return after these words. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we're back, and uh, Charlie's been doing a little bit of extra work here on the L computer, and uh, <laughs> found, no computer. yeah, L computer, uh, and found out some information in, for, for Kathy's crawlers. Yeah, right, because Valerie was wondering about worms for compost, and mm-hmm. I pointed out she wants red worms or red wigglers, and the phone number to call Kathy's crawlers. Now Kathy ships and guarantees live delivery of live worms. Uh, anywhere in Canada, I believe. And the quoted prices on her website are uh, $45 for a pound of worms, which sounds like a lot of money, but you know what? It's a one-time order. If And her actual website is www.kathyscomposters.com is what came up here. Kathyscomposters.com. I'm in the Kathy's Crawley Composters is all kinds of stuff she sells. Bottom line, phone number one eight eight eight. Seven seven five nine four nine five. So eight 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 seven seven five nine four nine five to talk to Kathy about vermicomposting, worms for composting, mm-hmm. indoors, outdoors, uh, all kinds of things to do with them. <laughs> I just said to, yeah. to Frank, who's in the apartment, you should be vermicomposting, which is where you compost inside under your kitchen sink in a, in a box with the worms. Yeah, and, and then I said, well, why, why do I? I don't have a garden. She says, but I do. So I'd be doing all this work for Charlie's garden. Yeah, now, wait a minute. He says, well, what would I do yeah. <laughs> with all the, the stuff, those worm castings? I said, you'd bring it in for me on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what? Just one more thing to carry along. <laughs> oh, stop. Okay. I, here I am with my worm so, castings. Yeah, I was going to okay. say, I'll keep that in mind. When's your birthday again? May 25th, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Fine. I'm yes. not going to celebrate it. Okay. Joan in <laughs> Ottawa, welcome to the show. <laughs> Morning, Joan. Hi. Nice to talk to you. I'm calling about tulips this mm-hmm. year. My tulips are really not doing well at all this year, and they've been in the ground for a few years now. Mm-hmm. They started off this spring, the leaves came up really nice, they were doing great, nice and green, and then I think we got some cold weather, and the leaves just kind of went flat, yep. and no flowers, or hardly any flowers. Now, the daffodils are great, but the tulips are really bad. Is this uh, just because of the weather this year, or is it because they've been in the ground and haven't dug them up and re-divided them? In a while. Well, tulips we don't usually divide. It depends what kind of tulips th- that you planted. If they were the, the highly hybridized tulips, Darwin highwood hybrids being sort of one that come to mind because they're just so classic. Things mm-hmm. like Red Emperor and, and uh, you know the the ones that just stand up so perfectly. They're at their best. Uh, for about two, three, four years. Uh-huh. By the time we get to year five, six, and seven, the flowers are smaller, there are fewer flowers, and they will not get better. That's you 
those go in the composter and you freshen up by replacing your tulips. Mm-hmm. So that's what could be going on with the tulips, like I said, if if that's the kind of tulip you planted originally. But you're right, it has been a very funny spring between the warmth and the cold. Bulbs are, are pretty smart. The the plant the, the bulb will not die, but the bulb will respond and by to survival by just giving up the ghost for the year. And you're right, the flower buds could have been frosted off or could have been knocked down before they actually reached proper size, uh, which has no impact on how things will work out next year. Uh, oh. But the, it has been, we've had some pretty severe frost. Yeah. And mm, all these plants that are tender and growing and happy and all this sunshine uh, are good to about, you know, zero, maybe even one below. But as soon as we're getting two, three, four below and it's windy, then, yeah, it's the wind chill will really do them in. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I've noticed that, uh, well, my son actually planted some new bulbs last fall, mm-hmm. uh, tulips, and he said those are doing fine, okay. but uh, tulips that had been in the ground from previous years, they came up and did the same as mine, just the leaves, right. and then they, he said they just looked like somebody stepped on them, and I said, yeah, that's about it. The leaves just kind of went flat. Yeah, and, and like I say, it just could be an age thing, or um, remember as well, there are tulips, uh, there are Tulips bloom at different times. So uh-huh. there are early, what we call early tulips, late mid tulips, and then late tulips. Right. So it could be that the ones that have really looked poorly are the early ones that were, you know, ready to go, sprouting, uh, happy, and then all of a sudden we got some pretty severe cold and not to mention wind and in some cases sleet and snow. So that may have caused them to just give it up for this year <laughs> versus the ones that are looking great could be just later tulips. So they're not as far ahead and not as susceptible to the damage. Okay, yeah. So, and and you just say, just leave them there and... Um... I, yeah, I wouldn't give up on them unless you know that they're just old, old, old and they weren't great last year. Mm-hmm. Then if you run across them when you're digging in the garden, just toss them in the composter and okay. replace in the fall. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's good then. Well, thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thank you, Joan. Uh, by the way, what's, what is it like right now in Ottawa? Oh, she's gone. She's gone. That's okay. <clears throat> Pardon me. Our diva is Nottawa mm? near Ottawa? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, okay, maybe it's near Nottawasaga. It could be. Hard to know. Well, we'll have to find out we'll now, have, won't we? Yes. We'll have to, maybe, we'll call, maybe Joan will call us back and tell us where Nottawa is. Very good. Thank you, Our darling. diva of dirt, darling of the dizzies, <laughs> dizzies, the dizzies. Maybe that that's more, that's appropriate, darling of the dizzies. Yeah, we'll return with uh, uh, the answer to your questions. Would that be because questions. you're a, di- a dizzy and I'm your darling? Uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, you got me there. Yeah, okay. But what I would like to do now is just sit back, take it easy while you expound uh, in a wonderful ad-lib fashion about Sierra Sill. But, but you never sit back and take it easy. You're always doing sit-ups and chin-ups. And, well, and... all right then. I'll start my push-ups. Oh. Push-ups. There we yeah, go. I knew it was something. One. All right. The reason Frank is so active and not whining at all or complaining is because he takes Sierra Sill, which keeps him comf- like pain-free. He's completely distracting me. <laughs> pain-free by taking Sierra Sill. <laughs> Sierra Sill like the mountains. Uh, now they have a great website, sierrasill.ca. I take Sierra Sill so that my knees don't kill me when I'm out in the garden, up and down, doing all that weeding and planting. And you know, Frank, he, he kickboxes, so he's got to stay limber as well. They have a great phone number, one eight seven seven joint 14 where you can pick up Sierra Sill at your local health food store. Try Nature Village on Queen Street in Streetsville. Ooh. 
Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hey, Charlie, let's go to Guelph. Say oh. hi to Sandy. Good morning, Sandy. Hello. Morning. Morning. I have a question about hostas. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really like to thin them out because they overrun the garden when they get, um, you know, the clump. The clumps just get too big, and they just when they get in up into leaf, they're just taking up too much space. For sure, and I don't know, um, I don't know how to go about that. Whether I dig the whole root plant out, or do I just cut through and half it, or how do I uh, thin the hostage? Actually, either of those things can work. It kind of depends on um, the quality of your soil and the sharpness of your shovel. <laughs> so if you, have ni- if you have a nice, sharp shovel, which is the best, mm-hmm. then all you need to do is with that sharp spade or shovel, go in and literally uh, sort of stick the, the sharp edge partway into the clump and then jump on it so that you sever. And this is the perfect time of year to do it, of course, because we're just starting to see that, you know, the furled leaves are poking up above ground so right. you can see exactly where all the growing points are. And, and you can slice off chunks off of the outside of that, that large clump that you have in the garden. Okay. Or if you say, well, I know the original is in the center there. And if the center doesn't look super healthy, and as a matter of fact, it's kind of died down, is looking kind of woody, and all the, the live growth is on the outside edge of the circle, then you're better to just dig the whole thing up. And then with a nice sharp, again, could be a shovel, could be a butcher knife, sever and slice through. You need root and stem attached to every chunk that you take off and have some pots standing by just to pot these up to give them to the neighbors or take them to the farmer's market or put them at the end of the driveway and you know, free to a good home. Oh, good, because I wanted to use them back where we have a lot of shade at the right. back of the house. But, Perfect. Um, yep. Transplant, spread them around. Good idea. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. You're Thank very you, welcome. Sandy. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, the Garden Show from AM740. Oh, and hey, uh, remember Helga had a question about uh, pigeons and the problem she has on the balcony. I do, yes. I think Roger in Midland might have a, a suggestion here anyway. Hi, Excellent. Roger. Good morning. Good morning, Frank. <laughs> What's Hi. going on? Well, you know, years ago, Frank, when I knew you and I carried a gun, we got rid of them that way. (laughs) That's right. uh, Funny you would say that, Roger, because as soon as Helga started talking about pigeons, that's exactly what Frank did. I mimed a shotgun. (laughs) Boom. Anyway, we didn't shoot them. We scared them. But anyway, uh, my call is concerning Simcoe, or no, Sudbury Housing up in Sudbury. Mm -hmm. They have strung um, a gray-like net on all their balconies, and they don't have any problem with it. Well, there you go. And you can see through it quite handily. That's right. It doesn't affect your view or anything. Right, right. And that's exactly what Helga needs. She, yeah, she's I in, think so. Because uh, that's ultimately the best way to deal with sure. it, get the netting sure. up. Okay. So, All right. Thank care, you. Guys. Thanks, uh, Roger, and take Thanks care of Midland. I will. I'm looking after it for you, Frank. Thank you. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Let's say hi. Uh, and, uh, I think probably our last caller here, maybe, uh, Debbie in Brampton. Uh, oh, oh, another pigeon comment here. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Love your show, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to respond to the lady that had the trouble with her pigeons. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know where you can get those ravens, but it's only around Halloween that you can get them. Oh. Just at the dollar store. Wow, oh. good suggestion. Dollarama. 
Dollar I buy them for Halloween, and they're all over my trees in my front lawn in the in the Halloween season. Uh-huh. And they're life size. They're black. They're just plain black. And they're plastic. They're plastic. Uh-huh. You can pick them up for two dollars. Oh man, that's good. Perfect. Yeah, she doesn't have to go to a decoy store no. if if the ra- ravens will help her. That's right. If they'll work. Yeah, yeah. But Worth like it. I said, at uh, around Halloween, the Dollarama dollar stores, you can pick them up for a couple of bucks. Excellent mm-hmm. suggestion. Oh, thank you. And I'm also from Germany, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you, you related to Helga's issue there. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And my tulips. The other caller. Uh huh. Had uh, trouble with her tulips this year. Yes. Uh, mine are exactly the same as yeah. she described. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, my Liebling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think that's it. The weather has really kind of toasted some of the early yeah. tulips this year. I think so, too. So, I But so next too. year's a whole new experience. Well, that's it. We'll try again next year. That's right. Well, thanks so much for your call, Debbie. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Debbie. Good night. And do we have time for one more call? Yeah, we do. Sarah, uh, calling in from near Collingwood. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, dear. Good morning. I'd like to ask, I bought Epsom salt for my food. They're good for, uh, to put it on your best top, too. But uh, in the hand of uh, the plastic uh, be- uh, bottle or a bag, mm-hmm. they say Epsom salt is good to put it on near the plant and the tree, too. Yes. Oh. It is. Epsom salt is amazing. It's one of those all-purpose items that can be used to cure what ails you, uh, you know, help a, a lame horse and also fertilize your plants. I mean, it's just yeah. unbelievable. Well, yeah. That's uh, the way you say it. So I like to make sure with you. Yep. It's, uh, if you have access to the Internet, the Epsom Salt Council uh, has a great website. If you just Google Epsom salts, you'll go to the Epsom salt um, sort of info. Like there's an association that has this great website, and they list how with the quantity of Epsom salts to use on different plants. Roses, for example, love Epsom salts, yeah. and it is about it's a, quite a you lot. The tomato, they say. Tomatoes, it. yep. Tomatoes love Epsom salts. Oh, okay. So follow this. And by this. the way, you're looking for Ottawa? Yes. Uh, it used to, because I am near Collingwood, but uh, not always a little town southeast of uh, Collingwood, too. That's oh, right, very good. Very good, thank you. Yeah, All so right. it's a little town, but good that you have a major route to go to to the 400 or south of the number four. That's right, right exactly. Are. I've been through Ottawa. I know it. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks Thank for you, calling. Sarah. Okay. Take the, care. There's our, there's nice our navigator. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye now. Uh, Sarah, our official navigator of where to go in Ontario. I've been told where to go many times. I know But not know. as nicely as that, I must That's admit. <laughs> uh, Dave Rediger and uh, Alan Gelman uh, getting all set to go with Dave Corner Garage. But in the meantime... A quick update, uh, yep. since we're helping everybody so effectively today, with, mm. you know, tips, etc. A couple of weeks ago, Lois called from Newmarket and she was worried about scale insects on her euonymus and wondered when to spray. So I looked that up. Mid-May is this year when I expect that the best time will be to spray your euonymus for the nymphs of scale insects. At that time, you'll be spraying with something like Bug Be Gone mm-hmm. or any pyrethrin-based insecticide and that should wipe out those Horrible scale nymphs or baby scale insects. Okay. 
There you go. Thank you very much for that little tip passed along. My and, uh, pleasure. Gee, it's it's all over again. Again, uh, so and fast. You're, but you're not going too far. You're no, back no. in an hour after the guys uh, get through with you there. Yeah, right. I'll be I'll be back with uh, live in the city. Nice. Yours truly, Frank Proctor. Thank you, Frank, and thanks for being such a good sous chef. I do appreciate your help because absolutely you totally a pleasure. are a help. And Dave Gaskin, we couldn't do the show without him. So thanks, Dave, and thanks to all our great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.